The Arizo Podcast is brought to you by Triumph Protective Coatings. They specialize in concrete polish, epoxy flooring systems, micro top floors and walls, and self-leveling underlays. They service all of California, and they are an awesome company. They speak Spanish, and they do amazing work. Check them out at triumph underscore coatings on Instagram. And if you use the promo code arrows up, you get 10% off. So check them out. I know the schedule for this pod is Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. But I got a good excuse as to why you didn't get a pod on Thursday. There was nothing on Friday. And it's Saturday. By the time you hear this, you might have two podcasts. It's the weekend. So, this is the thing. We have Wemby, who came to Los Angeles over the weekend on Friday. And I want to go see him versus the Lakers. And I wanted to see him first and then jump on the pod. And that's what we do. That's what I do. Solo pod today. Wemby, bunch of soccer stuff, some NFL stuff, and um, some non-sports stuff too. So, um, good pot today. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you have a good weekend. Here we go. Arrows Up Podcast. I'm going to start with the final thought today. That's what I'm going to do. Kind of little reverse of the pod. We usually do final thought at the end, obviously. Hence the name, final thought of that segment. First thought. This is what we're going to do. First thought. Um... Wembayama is incredible. Absolutely incredible. We got there like 40 minutes before the game and made our way to the seats. And whenever I've never watched a guy, I like to show up a little early, see them work, see how they look um, before they're going up against other people. Um, Because you get a good view of um, Manchester United just scored. They just tied, by the way. Harry Maguire, shout out to him. Um, but you get, a, you get a good idea of who the guy is. And as soon as we got there, Wemby's working, working out. He's shooting up some shots. And he was impressive. He looked huge. Like tall, long. He doesn't look as lanky as he does on TV. He he looks pretty solid. Um, so it reminded me a lot. I remember when I went to see Giannis before he became Giannis, when he was like still super like skinny and unknown what he was gonna be. And Giannis was skinny, but he wasn't like you know, like Kevin Durant skinny where he looked frail. And that's how Wimbayama looked. Wimbayama looked a lot like a young, like a baby Giannis. Now, I don't know if he's going to have the same body transformation. I'm not saying that. Um, but I was super surprised and super taken back by the fact that he wasn't, um, like, frail, you know? Because the way he looks on TV, uh, he just looks like, you know, stick figure, like this super huge, long, 
cartoonish stick figure. And that's, I mean, he's more coordinated. When you see him run, when you see him dribble, he's very coordinated for a huge guy. Kevin Durant-ish. You know, Kevin Durant's super, like, coordinated, too. Um, he is weak. So multiple times, like, Le- there was a play where LeBron, like, boxed him out and kind of just, like, with his butt kind of pushed him, like, way out of the way. Um, and it happened several times where dudes were just, like, pushing him around. So he's going to have to get stronger but in his legs, and, and the base is going to have to get stronger. But... Um, yeah, he and he is God, he is so good. He is like a cartoon character almost with how good he is. He several he, he ended the game in five blocks. Three of them must have been versus uh Austin Reeves, who he blocked and sent his stuff packing several times. And there was a play, the first block, the very first play, play of the game. Reeves drives, and Wemby, like, it, it looked like he had beat Wemby, and then out of nowhere, Wemby closes the, closes the space and blocks him. And he altered pretty much how the Lakers played that first quarter because while he was in the game, they didn't drive. They didn't dare to drive. And it wasn't until he that the Spurs took him out that he, the Lakers began to attack the basket, and that's when Lakers grew the lead. But I'm telling you, this guy defensively makes the Spurs a different team, and it's why now the Spurs have only won 11 games. So I'm not going to say Wemby should win Defensive Player of the Year, but. The Spurs team with him on the floor and with him off the floor is a very different Spurs team. And I would, I think the Spurs are making a mistake in tanking and, you know, playing the route they're going because they need to be trying to win now. Because Wemby is a winner and he's a really good player right now. And in two years, three years, he's going to be better. But he's worth it. He's worth the hype. He's worth you going to see him when he comes to your town. You need to go see Wembyama in person because he is ridiculous. He, the passing, and the passing, I think, is probably one of the most underrated things because, and he he was dropping dimes left and right. Um and the thing is, because he has so long arms, like some of the passes he does, like when he bounce passes, um, are not that great. But just he's so big, so he can see over everybody. And he just like tosses it above everyone's head. So Wimbayama, the hype is real. And uh, you need to go see him. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Go see Wimbayama. Because the dude's incredible, and he's one of one, and we're going to be talking about Wembyama as the next guy in the NBA for a long, long time, for the years to come, because he is that special. He is that crazy. And, uh, yeah, man, 
I was blown away. I couldn't believe just how good he 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 looked. Um, and I think that's the beauty of when when you go see guys up front and you go see them in person, you're able to gauge and uh, and appreciate it a little different. Because um, some guys just stand out. Some guys just are jump, just jumping out at you. And you're like, man, I've never seen this type of thing before. And Wemby was definitely like that. Um, and it was uh, it, it was incredible. Um, let's uh, switch a little gears a little bit here. Because um, that was the final thought. I wanted to start the pot off with... Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos is a um, soccer legend. He is um, the greatest defender of this generation. He, or center back, he is um, won it all at the team level, both club and internationally he is uh as accomplished as decorated as they come he is an icon at in the spanish soccer federation you know he's he's a legend for the spanish national team he is a legend of real madrid and El Capitan, and he left the team a few years ago, and once he left, he left like 2021, 2020, something like that, Um, and he was always, you know, his exit was, was a little strange just because Real Madrid started to do where they were just giving one year, you know, and they did that with Modric, did that with Gross. We'll give you a year, and we'll just kind of evaluate year by year. Um, and they offered they offered him the contract. He said no. And then as the season wound down, Robert Joe was pretty much like, well, that's it. Like, we got nothing else for you. And at the end, he they came back, and he's all right. I'll take it. And they're like, "Yeah, there's no contract. Uh, we rescinded that." And then he left. He went to PSG, played with Messi, the whole thing. Um, he comes back to Spain, plays for La Liga, um, and he plays for Sevilla, which was his boyhood club. And tomorrow, he makes his return for the very first time since he left to El Bernabéu the place where he grew up, the place where he won everything he had to win at the club level, the place where he became a legend, the place where he became the greatest center back of this generation, and I would argue of all time, but that's uh, maybe for a different podcast with a different person. Um, Because maybe you'd like to hear me argue about that, not necessarily just me giving you my opinion on it. But... We saw Ramos, and when I said we, when I say we, it's us, the Madridistas, saw him. And it's one of those things that he 
embodied leadership. He embodied um, toughness, tenacity. He was going to stand up for his teammates. He was going to, if you, you know, did something to one of his guys, he was going to get you back on the next one. Um, he was the vocal leader, the heart, the you know, just super passionate, super clutch. God, super clutch. Um, this no moment was big for him. He was always in, in, in the position where he had to make a play, and he obviously had you know had a lot of yellows. He kind of tiptoed that line a lot of like crazy and aggressive, and you know what point is it detrimental to the team? But the thing is, um, it always helped the team. You know, that obviously that you can argue some red cards were necessary and he, you know, should have been on the field and all that. But um, he and, you know, we've talked about this with the Draymond thing. Like there, there's a moment where you have to accept that this is the type of player this person is. And you can't have all the good stuff of the guy without some of the baggage. And that's just the way it goes. And. Every player is like that. Every you know, obviously some players have more um more obvious and more detrimental things that you're like, whoa, I don't know if I can carry that package, but every guy has that. You know, Cristiano is an amazing player, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. And his thing is though, like he, you know, wants to be the very best, and if that rubs his teammates the wrong way, so be it. And you can deal with that baggage. Messi likes, you know, he's one of the greatest players of all time, second greatest player of all time, um, and he wants to, you know, be the best, but he wants it his way. He wants you to do what he wants. And that's why Slatan had trouble with him. It's why Samuel Eto'o had trouble with him. But it's the baggage, and you're kind of willing to deal with it because it's messy and, and you know, the production's worth it. And then you take someone like Ronaldinho, who is, you know, we want to use a boxing analogy, pound for pound, the most, the best player, I, the highest peak was reached by Ronaldinho. He didn't do it for long, but he was incredible. And his baggage was that he just, you know, liked to party too much and drink and wasn't all that interested in, in showing up to practice on time or sober. And it was baggage that Barcelona, with the team that they had at the time, weren't willing to carry anymore. So every player has baggage. So whenever you think of Ramos, you know, you kind of think of it kind of like a Draymond Green, where, yeah, Draymond Green can fly off the handle, and Draymond Green can be a psychopath sometimes. And as we saw earlier this season, choking dudes and doing all this and that. But this is the thing. You don't win the four titles with Jay, without Draymond Green. You just don't. And the Warriors are now on a hot streak, and they're kind of climbing up, and they look really good. And you know why? Because of Draymond Green. Because when he came back from his suspension, he's been really, really good for them. So Ramos falls in that category. And you can be like, ah, oh, well, he was this, he was that. Well, guess what? Ramos doesn't win four Champions League titles in five years without Ramos. So you take the you take all the good stuff with, you know, some of the crazy baggage stuff. And, that, and that's what it is. And that's where every athlete, with every person in anything, relationships are like that. You get with somebody and guess what? There's stuff that you are truly 
crazy about. You know, you, that's why you fell in love with them, their personality, the way they look, their hair. I don't know. You know, the way they, they make you laugh. They're hilarious. Maybe they're super stable. You know, they have a really good job and, and you know, you, you want stability and they bring you that or they're super, a good listener and things like that. And then there's stuff that's like absolutely like annoying and, you know, maybe they chew ice really loud or they chew with their, you know, mouth open or, you know, I don't know, you know, they're dirty or, you know, they're super, you know, like they forgetful or they like procrastinate or they double book themselves a lot or I don't know, you know, you, you whatever. Now, and those stuff you kind of have to, you know, take into account. Is it worth it? Do I love this person enough? Do I love this person so much that I'm willing to put up and deal with all the baggage? Because everybody has baggage. And if you don't think you have baggage, then you probably have the biggest baggage of all of us. Because we all have baggage. We all come with stuff that is annoying. All of us do things that can annoy the other person. And if you don't believe me, it's either because you are a single child or you are a psychopath. But if you grew up with siblings, you absolutely know you have high levels, high levels of annoyance, of being annoying. So, uh, and that's with athletes, players. So Ramos, club legend, capitan. Now, why am I talking about Sergio Ramos? I'm talking about Sergio Ramos because he's going back to Real Madrid. And they're going to do a tribute to him. It's probably going to be super emotional and super awesome. And I'm bringing this up because Real Madrid doesn't have the highest. Um, we're not the best <laughs> at honoring legends. And dudes kind of leave and, you know, it's like cool. But, you know, there isn't this like grander, you know, departure, this grand departure. Now, I don't know if there is such a way to do that. I don't know if there is a a right way to send someone off, especially someone like Ramos, someone like Iker Casillas, someone like um, Cristiano, who technically never got his, um, someone like Marcelo. Guys like that that left, not because they wanted to leave, not because they thought they were done, but the club was like, yeah, I think we're good. I think we can, you know, you gave us everything you had to give us, and now I think we can find a younger player who can do what you can do. And it's a tough thing, you know, and they're going to do a tribute to him. He spent 16 years with Real Madrid. Um, he was the captain, again, like I said, and he's, you know, forever going to be linked to that, I'm forever going to be a Madridista, and I'm sure once Ramos retires, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he finds himself, you know, do working for the team or as an ambassador doing something for Real Madrid. So um, big shout out to Sergio Ramos, El Capitan, and for all the Madridistas, thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you for all the titles. Thank you for everything. Um, Xavi Alonso, let's go to Germany. Xavi Alonso is the hottest name in the soccer world in terms of um, managers. He is the manager currently at Bayern Leverkusen, who is a German team. And he has that team um, just crushing. They, are, they have 61 points. 
They have won twenty. They've played twenty three games, won nineteen, drew four. They are undefeated, and this is a mark that's only been reached by Bayern before, where you're undefeated after twenty three games, and they are eleven points up on Bayern. They beat Bayern on February tenth, three zero, and they're crushing, and they're probably gonna win the league and. It's just been masterful to see Xavi Alonso coach. Now, the reason why he's the hottest name is because unlike Xavi, unlike um, Lampard, Steven Gerrard, former players that went into managing, he's actually had real success in a real league. And you can see just the influences of... Mourinho and Ancelotti and Pep, and it's just like a very unique style that Leverkusen play. Um, now, where you get the you know the the hype now is he signed with Bayern Leverkusen for a few years, and Bayern you know had their trouble with managers. They bring in Tuchel who was from Chelsea, won the Champions League. He's a German. And they thought, okay, here's a guy. He's going to be here for, you know, the next few years. But the low-key part about um, Bayern is they are low-key super impatient about any type of process, uh, which is surprising for a team that's like a legendary, decorative um, team. And so they announced that Tuchel's out. Because Tucho hasn't worked, hasn't been the same. Can't figure. I don't know what it is, but he just has not been good there. Um, and enter Xavi Alonso, who play, who manages in Germany, used to play for Bayern, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's gonna go to Bayern." And then you have, and then you have uh, Liverpool. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Jurgen Klopp said, "I'm done. I'm out. I'm gonna. I need some rest." And guess what? Xavi Alonso used to be a Liverpool player, so his name is being thrown. He's thrown out. He's gonna coach here. He's gonna coach there. Oh, he might do this. He might do that. And obviously, the big name that looms over all of this, like a big shark, like they always do, is Real Madrid because they're the biggest club in. Soccer, they are the biggest name, sports name in the world. Yes, even bigger than the Dallas Cowboys. They're just the biggest thing. Um, and he used to be a Real Madrid player. <laughs> so you get where I'm going with this. Ancelotti will probably coach in Real Madrid as long as he wants, as long as he's winning, as long as he's successful. But he's also getting old. And presumably you would think... The Chevy Alonso was just looking at that spot and saying, three, four years, I, that can be my job, and I can go there, and that can be me. And in the meantime, he can go wherever and do whatever, but um, I don't know. But maybe, maybe he leaves. Maybe he goes to another place, but he has it okay in Bayern Leverkusen. Now, is he legitimately going to succeed and win the Champions League there? I mean, anything can happen, but, you know, resources are real, and, and you need resources to compete 
in soccer, uh, especially at the highest level, that Bayern could offer, Liverpool maybe could offer, family group. They don't put money, anything in the Red Sox, but they do. In They put money into Liverpool. But then you get, you know, you're under a different kind of pressure because now you're, you know, one of the things that has been awesome to see with Bayern Leverkusen is the development of these guys uh, that he's had under him, that the way he's allowed them to to grow and, and kind of come into their own in, in the system. And that typically doesn't happen quickly or at all in the biggest clubs because you're dealing with guys that are making a lot more money, who are more established, who have agents and managers and, you know, all these type of things that they need to get their playing time. They need this. They need that. Um, I'm accustomed to playing like this, so this is my style. I've never really tried that. And and once you try changing these established dudes, like, way of playing, they kind of don't take well to that, especially because if you're someone like Thomas Mueller, for example, who's won – everything there is to win at the club level internationally as well. And Xavi Alonso wants you to do this now instead of that. Or he says, hey, you're kind of getting too long in the tooth. Uh, so, you know, we kind of cut your minutes here. And you're like, wait, I'm a legend here. I've won all this. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Now, Xavi Alonso might be the right guy to be able to tell someone like that, hey, it's time for you to take a back seat. Kind of like Xavi he was the one that was able to tell a lot of the old heads at Barcelona, like, dude, it's time to go, and Xavi could do it because he had won everything, had been there. Um, and maybe Xavi is able to do that because his resume is as good as anyone's at Bayern. But it's going to be an interesting decision because if the reports are real that he's kind of eyeing the Real Madrid job, um you, I mean, the, I mean, I guess you do a linear move to Bayern and you kind of hold it off there um, and you kind of conquer the German league and you kind of do that whole thing, try to bring Bayern a Champions League title. Um, but it's going to be very interesting because obviously they're going to get more aggressive. Bayern is, like, struggling. They did my guy, Nagelsmann, uh, super dirty. And Nagelsmann, you know, came out this week and was like, yeah, they didn't give me the time. They told me they were going to give me time. And it takes time. And they didn't give me the time. And, yeah, you know, look, it's easy to pencil in every year and every season and say, well, Man City's going to win the Champions League and Real Madrid's going to win the Champions League and Bayern and, you know, just throughout the big names. But it's really, really hard. And it's why it's not talked about enough just how impressive that run of Real Madrid, the four and five, because it is so hard. It is so hard to win one, let alone rattle off four in five years. And that kind of stuff is incredible and unprecedented. And um, it takes time. And I think if you're at this big club and you kind of are wanting stability and you're wanting to win, you need to understand that it's going to take some time. It's going to take a, a while. Look how long it took Pep to win a Champions League title since the Barcelona one. It took him a long time. He had really good teams. But, you know, Man, the credit goes to Man City where they were being they were able, willing to be patient with him. 
I think any other club would have fired Pep and said, well, we brought you here to win a Champions League. You haven't produced it. Um, and to their credit, they stayed stuck with him, and they said, no, we're going we're gonna to ride this out, and he's, he's our guy. And that's what's happened. And they've uh, seen the benefit of it because now he's uh, won, and kind of that whole pressure is off of them. And so you kind of get the, the sense that whatever Xavi Alonso chooses is going to be a huge deal for, for everybody around because if he goes to England, you know, you kind of, Liverpool kind of just get shot back up as, as a steel contender because, you know, depending on who they replace Klopp with, that's, you, you, you figure that can be a significant drop off. Um, and even if Xavi comes in, you're not expecting him to be, um, you know, from the very get-go, Klopp. You know, it, it, you're not expecting that. It's not fair to Xavi to, to expect that and have the expectation. But he's the hottest name, hottest name in, in the manager world. So if you follow soccer at all and you start hearing these rumors, this is why. Um, another soccer thing. Uh, there was an uneventful Champions League week, two weeks. Um, the games were not that great. Like, you know, the, the la- this week, Dortmund 1-1 versus PSB. Inter beat Atletico. Porto, late winner, beat Arsenal. Napoli, Barcelona tied 1-1. One of the things that's funny... And I saw it in the Porto Arsenal game. And that game was whatever. But because there was a late winner, you know, that the game ended like last minute goal type of thing from Porto, people are like, oh, what a game. God, what a game. And I think we are conditioned to think that just because a game was close or a game was like ended in a like late score, we automatically think, what a good game. And that, you know, we kind of have to take into account everything, the totality of the game. Because just because you had a good moment, just because you had a good moment at the end, doesn't make it that the whole game was good. And, you know, it happens with fights too. You know, there's a knockdown. It's like, oh, what a good fight. Like, eh, was it? Or you just, just see somebody get knocked out and you, like, thought it was a good moment. Um, I think we should be better at that better at this judging of things, you know, and not just kind of get into this idea of, um, oh, it was, it was good. It was like, ah, hey, it was a good moment. It was a good goal. It was a good, shocking that Arsenal let that happen. But um, it was a good moment. I don't know if that classifies that game to be good after that, but um, uneventful. Mbappe. Mbappe is set to sign with Real Madrid. You've heard me say this before. <laughs> but supposedly this is real. This is almost like they're at the like goal, they're at the one yard line. And they're just, you know, ironing out the little details. Um but also we've seen stops at the one yard line too. So, you know. Um he wants to be presented, according to other reports, he wants to be presented before the Euros. And the Euros start June 14th. The Champions League final, assuming that either 
PSG or Real Madrid or both make it all the way final is June is June first. So it's like a two week period for that at that time. The French league ends May eighteenth, and La Liga ends May twenty sixth. Now I'm giving you these dates because if Real Madrid say this gets done, and say Real Madrid and um, and and Bob are going to come to an agreement, and he's set to sign. When do you do that presentation? If he wants it before the Euros, and say Real Madrid is still in the Champions League, or Mbappe, do you do that? Like in the middle of that? I don't think either either party does that. And if you're say Mbappe, because I think you know if Real Madrid wins the Champions League. And, you know, they got to present Mbappe June 4th. No big deal. But say you're Mbappe. Say you're Mbappe. You take PSG all the way to the title, and they win. They win the Champions League. Do you then, like, tell France, like, hey, detour here. I'm going to go to Spain, get presented, and then show up for training at the Euros? So I know he wants that, ideally, but I think that would require both teams to not be in Champions League contention. So something to look out for, something to see, because the timeline kind of, you'd kind of be pushing the timeline. Now it helps that, you know, the Euros are obviously in Europe, Germany this year. Um, so it, it could happen. It just would seem very rushed. And you would think something like that, the presentation of Mbappe, one of the biggest stars in the world, uh, rumor that had been swirling around for years now has finally come to fruition. You would think that you would want like a gigantic thing, but what you would see here is not so much that you would kind of see um, something a little different. So um, it's a uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But uh, that's soccer. That's where we're at. This is some NFL. The 49er loss in the Super Bowl has, is getting worse. <laughs> I haven't watched any, you know, sound effects stuff, any of the sounds of the game. I haven't seen the game. I bypass all of it. I can't deal with it. Not strong enough. Can't do it. Won't do it. Um, but I saw this thing on, on uh, Twitter that was saying that the 49ers broke. Uh, what the 49ers did on Super Bowl Sunday was impossible. They led twice in the fourth quarter, once in overtime, and it's like no team had ever lost that way. So the loss is historical, and I'm like, ah, thank you. I didn't need you to tell me how awful and colossal that loss is, but thanks. So now we have a historical president precedent uh, as to how bad that loss was and how historical that was. So there's that. Um, something to make me feel better. The Eagles have been in shambles ever since they lost to the Niners, though. Remember the Eagles? They were 10-1 and one at one point, and they just rattled off a bunch of losses after that. I think they ended like 1-5 at the end. But um, it came out this week, the Big Dom, remember Big Dom, the guy that, got in green lost face in the Niner game. 
they got both kicked out. Turned out to be the like head security for the Eagles and you know, just some big old big old Italian dude, pretty much. Um so Big Dom is they were saying that he his uh departure from the team or his suspension, him not being able to be on the field was a huge loss because he was the guy that controlled Sirianni. And after he left, then you had a lot of um you had a lot of just fights between Sirianni and uh Sirianni would fight with with the players, with the coaches, and there was nobody there to stop him. There was nobody there to to be there to like separate him and bring peace. And that made me be like, whoa, dude, like are you serious? Like you need a head of security to be on the field because he controlled and was the level, the kind of the guy that put everybody on like just on good terms. And that made me be like, I think the Eagles made a mistake not firing Sirianni. But um, so that was a weird story. And then AJ Brown comes out and he's like complaining about the Philly fans, how, you know, they, you know, they're super demanding and this, that, and the other. Um, and that was, I, the, that, that part like is annoying because it's one thing to be like, I'll read you. This is what he says. A.J. Brown, now, I think this is, I don't think this is a direct quote. This is more like the summary. It says, Philly media is lame. It literally, it's literally something every day. Then the fans, we believe the BS. Uh, they really should start raising the prices of microphones and cameras because you people will say anything for views. I see why nobody likes us because we don't even like us. So he says that this is a thing. If you're going to be um, all about the fans and you want fans that are super, um, super passionate, well, guess what? Super passionate fans are crazy fans. And you can't have one without the other, kind of like my rat in the beginning um, about how, you know, the baggage stuff. You can't have one without the other. You can't say, oh, man, I want someone that's super passionate. Well, you know what somebody that's super passionate does? They're super demanding as well. And someone that's super passionate is, you know, demands a lot. So it's so it's funny, like, when people say that, like, oh, man, I want to date somebody that's passionate. Do you really, though? Do you really? Or passionate about what? Because what if you, you know, your passion is, like, nature and their passion is sports you're going to hate that because that person's going to want to be watching sports all the time um and that's this is what it is passionate people are demanding people they demand a lot they expect a lot and aj brown is learning that so that made me feel better not really actually but it is what it is um and that's it. That's the pod. So I wanted to end because I do have a final thought. See, I came prepared. I changed my final thought to the first thought. Here's my final thought. With February ending and coming to a close next week, 
this is where I was reading this thing that was saying, it was on Forbes, and it was saying that 22% of people, only 22% of people who make goals keep their goals in in the second month. And this is where it kind of falls apart. And if you've had that in, you know, February, kind of you slow down on the goal, guess what? Jump on it. Jump back on the bike, whatever. Whatever the analogy is, the horse, whatever. Get back on it. Don't quit. You had a bad month, so what? Doesn't mean you have to have bad 10 months. And we have to be okay or make normal (laughs) this idea of getting back on the horse, getting back on it. So you, you know, ate a bunch of crap for two weeks. All right. Well, guess what? Don't eat a bunch of crap starting today, and we, 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 we get it going. We start it all over again. So you didn't go to the gym for a week. You didn't work out for two weeks. Well, guess what? You can work out today and restart that same habit. You didn't read. You were reading every day, and then you stopped reading. Well, guess what? Pick up, pick up your book, pick up whatever, your Bible, whatever. Whatever it is that your goal was, you know, you were saving money, and all of a sudden you, like, splurge on whatever, and your savings are down again, guess what? We'll start again. You're going to get paid again, right? So start again. Put some money aside again. And and this is this trial and error, and eventually we're going to get to where we need to get to. So get back on it. You're 22%. Keep going. You're doing great. And if you're part of the 80, or 78%, get back on it. You're still good. You're still fine. Don't let just the bad two weeks ruin the entire year. So it's a final thought. So that's the podcast. I'll have another podcast for you tomorrow <laughs> with Harry about baseball. So have that one. And I'll be recording with David. We couldn't link up on uh, Wednesday, but tomorrow. In the flesh, I'm recording two parts tomorrow. In the flesh with David, that one goes, gets released Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that one on Tuesday. And tomorrow's with Harry on baseball. So a lot of good stuff. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. That's the pod. We are brought to you by, as always, Triumph Protective Coatings. They specialize in concrete polish, epoxy flooring systems, micro top floors and walls, and self-leveling underlays. They service California, and they speak Spanish. You can follow them, Triumph underscore Coatings on Instagram, and you get a 10% off if you um, use the promo code ARROWSUP. You can also reach them on Gmail, triumphprotectivecodings at gmail.com. That's the part. Thank you to Angel for the music. Thank you to Wemby for being awesome. Uh, thank you to you for listening. I will talk to you tomorrow with Harry Baseball. So um, you can follow us, Arrows of Podcasts, anywhere you get your pods. Uh, subscribe 
five stars, five stars, you know the deal. And Instagram, arrows up on Instagram. You can follow us there. So uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Let's go, Lakers. <laughs> <laughs>